Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 54. Today we are going to talk about some of the latest in NFL news, um, including some unfortunate news that my co-hosts have decided they wanted to include in this episode that I would prefer not to talk about that pertains to the Eagles, but that's chill. We will dive into it, as well as our predictions for awards on the defensive side of the ball. We touched on offense last week. This week we're going to go into defense as well as coach of the year and give you our picks for that. But first and foremost, I have my co-hosts Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me today. How are you both feeling, doing, living, etc. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing good because we made it through the offseason. This is our official last episode of the offseason. I don't know, know how we made it through, but somehow here we are. And we, we did it without any preseason games to talk about too, yeah. which is even more exciting. Yeah, but next week we get to preview actual games and stuff, so that'll be very exciting and full of fun. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of surreal. Like I didn't. I always believed NFL would happen this year, but like back in my head, I'm like, okay, it's probably not going to happen. And now I'm like, oh wait, it's a week and a half till season starts. Let's go. Well, like awesome. Don't don't jinx it now. You know, a lot can <laughs> yeah, happen not, in a week and a knock half. Knock on so wood. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, Niners got Fred Warner on the COVID list. So let's not count our chickens before they hatch on this one. There's still true. You know, true. Still um, eight days. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited as well. It's been. It's it's felt like. Both the longest and the shortest offseason I can remember, if that makes any sense at all, um, <laughs> in different ways. You know, obviously, everything this year was in question and in flux pertaining to sports, not just the NFL, but just all sports. And um, they've had to adapt. So hopefully the NFL can continue to adapt and, and we don't see any halts or any issues throughout the season. So it, it'll definitely be a unique season. Um, you know, no fans in certain stadiums maybe potential teams having not injury issues but some sort of covid issue related issues so it'll be a unique season and we're excited to cover it and and discuss everything with all of you beautiful listeners let's dive into the nfl news for the week though we can start with one that's a little bit more recent uh this is sort of a rumor but we can we can discuss it alvin kamara wants more money right the saints don't have any money to give what do you think this means? What are the implications of this? Could we see an Alvin Kamara trade? So this like just broke probably a half hour before we started recording. So it's still kind of uh, scrambled in our head as to what the hell is going on. I, I don't think he gets traded because the Saints are in a win-now mode. This is probably Breeze's last year. So they can't afford to get rid of him. I mean, they have Latavius Murray, I believe, as their backup, who's a good player. But Kamara... Besides Michael Thomas, the second most viable skill player on that team. So they absolutely need to keep him uh, locked in for this year. But he wants big money. He wants Christian McCaffrey money. And he's not going to get that anywhere. So it's no. kind of a, a chess match right now. He's been holding out of practice the last few days. Uh, it's, it's bold. I mean, he, he wants money, but the Saints, they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. Yeah, it seems like a weird time to do it for him, mm-hmm. especially. I'm sure he consults his agent, and his agent was like, yo, dude, they're going to be 30 plus million dollars over the cap next year. Like, they don't have money to spend on you without reworking a ton of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it, it seems like an odd time to do it and to try to force your, your hand. Um, but, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of these guys that are going into year four of their rookie contract and looking for that extension like Joe Mixon just got and Christian McCaffrey and 
Kamara's a great player, but he's not Christian McCaffrey. He, he's not as durable. Uh, he doesn't have as much production. Um, and if you're not Christian McCaffrey, you're not going to get Christian McCaffrey money. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's maybe top five worthy money, but um, I, I just don't see a way where he's going to have enough leverage to get all that money. That and he, he was wants. just he was just hurt last year, so his stock's at an all-time, not all-time low, but his stock's low to where it was last offseason. Yeah. So well, he he was hurt, but briefly. I mean, he played 14 yeah. games, so it wasn't, you know, some sort of big injury. But all things considered, production-wise, he was slightly down last year mm-hmm. versus years prior, especially in touchdowns. I mean, the dude had 14 rushing touchdowns and four uh, receiving touchdowns in 2018 and five rushing touchdowns and one reception uh, touchdown in 2019. So it's an interesting year to hold out, in my opinion, because it's not as if you've had back-to-back phenomenal seasons and you have all the leverage. If I'm the Saints, I'm looking at Latavius Murray, I'm looking at Ty Montgomery, and I'm saying, you know what, with Drew Brees, we could win, we could win enough games with, with these guys in a, uh, in a split carry position at running back. So I don't know, man. Like, depending on what he's asking for, if he's really, really going to hold out, like, maybe you do trade him while you still can get something for him. Because if he has another season this year, like he did last year, I don't know that his value is that high. And I think maybe he's worried about that, which is why he's kind of clamoring for this money right now. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't know what's going to happen, honestly. I mean, I I, want to think he stays on the Saints because this this is their year. But, I mean, if you want to get some value off of him, you know, that might be it. Because you don't know how the salary caps going to look next year. They're not going to go up. That's for sure. And like Casey said, they're $30 million in the hole for next year. So, they got to figure something out. Figure something out soon. Yeah, and I don't know who's going to want to trade and pay for a running back. Yeah. Like, running backs are, are so replaceable. Kamara is very good, especially in the passing game. But, like, uh, his drop-off from a guy that you could pick up in the third round like is not going to be super significant for a team that uh, no one's a running back away from a Super Bowl, I yeah. don't think. So uh, I, I just don't see it really happening. And he might be a guy that you can't replace with uh, one player, but you can't replace Casey's with like point. three or four guys. Yeah. What about Go ahead, Sarge. hypothetically a team that's a running back away from the Super Bowl? They may not need a running back to get the Super Bowl, but what about like Tampa Bay? Yeah. I, I mean, they True. could they could use them they could also use leonard fournette who they could get for much cheaper oh no you're right i'm just i was just when you said that in my mind tampa bay has all the pieces except running back really sure like ronald jones decent but tbd really on what he could become we know kind of what alvin kamara is and even though he had a down year he's one of the most dynamic backs in the league without question there's also the no way that the saints would trade within their own division so that is also true that is true no chance yes. yeah well it's a tricky situation for sure i don't think he's gonna get paid um i think he plays the year on the saints and then they kind of figure it out obviously with everything in flux and and figure it out next off season. um he will get paid eventually whether it's by the saints or another team you know there's no denying the talent there but i don't think he's gonna get christian mccaffrey money you guys are right on that point um he will get like diet christian mccaffrey money just because <laughs> the stats won't be up won't be up to up to uh, he's not gonna have a thousand receiving yards and a thousand rushing yards but i mean he's had 800 of both in the past few years which is pretty damn good still considering uh considering he's on the saints and there's not as many targets to go around as there would be on a team like the panthers uh where basically it's christian mccaffrey and that's, that's about it 
That's uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So let's let's talk about you. You alluded to it a little bit. Fournette released by the Jags. The Jags are kind of making. Seems like they're cleaning house a bit. Maybe going for just a full rebuild. Maybe tanking for a specific quarterback that we are anticipating to go number one overall in the upcoming draft. Um, what what are our thoughts on what the Jags are doing here, Casey? I'm, I want to start with you just because I know you're a huge, huge Minshew and the Jaguar <laughs> and fan of the Jaguars as a whole. Uh, what what do you think? What do you think's happening here? What's what's the what's the Jags leadership and ownership uh, thinking? Yeah, I I don't really know it seemed like Coughlin was an issue with with their front office and the way the players were being treated and stuff like that but they let him go a, a year or two ago um and he was very old school and that Coughlin time is you got to show up to meetings five minutes early and if you're four minutes early then you're late and you're fined uh and I don't think a lot of players enjoyed that but Yannick Ngakwe got traded away to the Vikings, which is my worst-case scenario. Uh, now the Vikings have a really good uh, front four, uh, which is not good for Aaron Rodgers. But um, And now Fournette was released. And I saw a report that Doug Marone is trying to clean up the locker room, and that seems like a weird thing to do when you're in, like, year three and your job is kind of on the line. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know why. There, there was a $4 million cap hit for Fournette, but... Uh, he hasn't balled out, but he's been a decently productive guy, and he has had some, you know, locker room issues. He had a fight on the field, um, a low effort stuff that I've I've heard of. But um, if they are trying to go the Miami route and tank, um, you better hope Minshew doesn't do what Fitzmagic did and get you out of a position where you can get that top quarterback that you want in Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Um, and I think he is good enough to get them to four or five wins, and that's going to get you out of the top five picks. And then now what do you do? You know, uh, So I, I, I don't know. It seems like a weird move by the Jags for me. Especially where you said like Doug Marone, he's probably going to get fired after this year yeah. unless something crazy happens. So I don't know why you're trying to you know get rid of your most talented players. Nagakwe, uh, Fornegas. Nagakwe, he wanted – get traded i mean he's he took been a four- requesting a trade yeah for a while. That, that makes more sense yeah. i mean he he's taking four million dollars less to not be on the jaguars which is uh saying something but for net i mean he is a i'll say i want to say bust because that's kind of a strong word to use for players but he's been underwhelming for a fourth overall pick um but it's only his fourth season so he still might have time to put it all together and he doesn't suck I mean, he still had over a thousand yards last year, so he's not a terrible player. Uh, but I think he's going to go to a contender. Uh, but what team he goes to, who knows? Right now, Vegas has the Bears and the Patriots as co-favorites. Uh, we mentioned beforehand, Tampa Bay. That'd be a great fit for him, I think. Uh, they only have a clear number one. Uh, ultimately, I think the Patriots are where he goes. But there's so many teams that need running backs that. The running backs are not expensive ones. Uh, the ones that can just you know give you 15 touches a game, which Fournette would be perfect for. Dolphins, another team I think would be really good. I mean, Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, neither of them are all that great, in my opinion. And yeah, Fournette, that would mess up my, my sleeper pick. Yeah, well, that would mess up your Jordan Howard, Howard so. uh, hype. But if you can get him on a one-year, you know, five, $6 million deal, prove it, see what happens. Hot take. Leonard Fournette is not any better than Jordan Howard would be in the Dolphins Ooh. offense. 
Um, Ooh. <laughs> I also don't think he's any better than Sony Michelle and, and James White would be as that Ooh. one-two punch in the Patriots offense. Don't get me wrong. Leonard Fournette, not a bust. You know, maybe hasn't lived up to the expectations because they were higher than any running back has been in, in, a, in a while. I mean, he was a perennial talent. He was he was the Saquon Barkley before Saquon Barkley. Yep. And he never really lived up to that. And it may not really be his fault. I mean, it just it's just the nature of the, the way the NFL is positioned at the moment with the running back position. He's not he's not as dynamic as a lot of teams like out of their running back. Um, he is he is a great runner. He's not much of a, a pass catcher. I mean, he has seventy six catches last year. He has seventy six yeah. catches. I mean, he doesn't run routes like Kamara or McCaffrey. A lot more dump offs, but he's not like incompetent as a pass catcher. He's not in con- neither is Ezekiel Elliott, but it's not their yeah. strong suit. It's no, just, not it's not what, it's not what they're they're known for, and it's not where they're comfortable. Um, so it limits what you can do from a scheme perspective, I think. And you know, I I don't know. He's not your prototypical running back in today's NFL, and I think it's it's showing up on the field. Sure, I, I mean I agree with all that. And the Jags, you know, they aren't. I mean they have Gruden now, uh, but I don't think they're offensively pushing the front edge of you know scheme and putting their players in the best position to succeed so um that could contribute it to it also they don't have a fantastic offensive line that's not terrible but um you know i think he'll be productive and sort of like you said someone to just fill in give you 15 carries a game he'll be he's not going to be a you know a high four point you know eight seven yards per carry guy but he can be a high three low four kind of guy that can be consistently productive, but is not going to like put you over the top necessarily. I mean, yeah. it's, all, it's all conspiracy theory to bring down Gardner Minshew. It is. Oh, is that, is that what it against is? my that's boy Gardner? That's what it is. That's they listen to this podcast. That's why. Uh, okay, okay. Um, I will say though, it is odd to me. It must have been a culture fit or something because he had his best season. I mean, he's three years in the league. He's going into his fourth year, and his best season was last year: fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage, uh, and you you release him like. First of all, it's odd to me that you couldn't get some sort of value in return. Uh, still on his rookie deal, right? You should be able to get, even if it's a low pick, you should be able to get something. Maybe that's incompetency from the GM. Maybe they really just couldn't get anything. I don't know. But it feels as though you should be able to get something in return for a player who's a 1,000-yard running back with, what was it, like 500 recept- receiving yards, Sturgeon? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. That kind of blows my mind that, that you had to cut him. And then... On top of that, it blows my mind that that was even in consideration. So unless there's something that the public is not aware of and there's reasons, you know, outside of football, because it's not production related. I think we 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 can understand that there's no chance that it's production related. So that's not as if he came out and had a thousand rush yards and the, the Jags were like, oh, it's not good enough. So peace out, Leonard Fournette. It's something else that he he is either done or doing or is just not a culture fit with what they're trying to do. Um, and it's odd, right? It's odd that you get nothing in return for who you picked fourth overall. I, I don't yeah. know. I find it strange. It's sad. I mean, look at the, the past, like, 10 draft picks they had in the first round of the Jaguars. Like, a large majority of them are gone. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they, they, some they, of them are very, very good players, just yeah. not on the Jaguars anymore. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they passed on Mahomes and Watson, for Blake Bortles, not that it's not the same draft, but they had the chance to pick them both, went with Fournette, and missed on both those guys because of Blake Bortles. Well, he Yikes. did take them to the AFC Championship game, so 
Yeah, but there, there is that. Well, the didn't Tim Tebow take the Broncos to the AFC Championship game? I think no, one game away. Divisional. divisional. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he, he won right. a playoff game. Rex Grossman won with the Super Bowl. So yeah. that means nothing. No. <laughs> you love that Rex Grossman example. That's, that's my guy, think. man. Yeah. That's my guy. Jimmy, G- Jimmy Garoppolo went okay. to the Super Bowl, too. Uh, okay. That's like, well, <laughs> Okay. Pump the brakes there, right. amigo. Do you guys have any other thoughts on Fournette? Let's move on from this, otherwise. <laughs> um, no, let's, let's move into the fun stuff. Yeah, the fun stuff. So, Andre Dillard, Eagles starting left tackle out for the year. Jason Peters probably moving over to left tackle, wants more money. Injuries galore, not fun. I'm going to let you guys talk about this, and I'll chime in when necessary. Uh, <laughs> the Eagles need to get new team doctors. I don't know what's going on in the water in Philly. But those guys are not drinking their milk every year to get injured. At what point is it like, okay, is it the players, the coaching staff, medical staff? I mean, Jalen Rager hurt his shoulder making a tackle because Jalen Hurts, surprise, surprise, threw an interception. Yeah, so, and why was Jalen Hurts in the game? Or in, in Carson practice? Wentz hurt again. Oh, interesting. Man. How, how things circle back there. But, but you were, uh, yeah, two alignment missing, that's not good. That's very, very bad. Yeah, I mean, I think their starting five will be – fine it's just if one more guy goes down now you're in some serious trouble because usually teams only carry seven linemen into games uh and now you've lost two of those starting seven or game day seven so you're really taking you know linemen number eight and nine as your backups instead of six and seven which which could be pretty dangerous if if someone gets out or uh, has to take a playoff or something like that. Now you're now you're in a little bit of trouble. But all things considered, it doesn't seem like they're going to be hit too hard. It's just that that depth is really going to be tested now if if things continue this way. Yeah, and you know people are freaking out, but I, I just want to let it be known too. Andre Dillard, there were questions about his productivity and and his ability to play left tackle to begin with. So it's not as if you're losing some perennial Hall of Famer at left tackle. You know, so. The bigger loss is Brandon Brooks at, at right guard, which happened a little while ago. So that, that, is, that is ultimately the biggest loss. And then you slot Jason Peters into right guard, who now has to be forced back out to left tackle, most likely. Um, but, you know, if Jason Peters plays solid and can stay healthy, having a, a Jason Peters, Isaac Sayamalu, and then you got Jason Kelsey, Matt Pryor, and then Lane Johnson, you still got two great tackles and a, probably one of the best centers in the league. So you're in a decent position. But like Casey said... You can't afford any injuries, right? Because backing all those guys up are rookies that you drafted. So it's it's a tricky situation. I was kind of hoping that Riley Reef, tackled for the Vikings, didn't figure out a deal and restructure to, to stay with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And that would have been an option. But it seems like that's off the table and he's back with the Vikings. So... I'm not really sure what you do, but you need to you need to prioritize the offensive line, whether that's through a trade or if there's any free agents that would make sense within the scheme. I don't know, but it, you need depth and you need talent quick. Otherwise, it's going to be a rough season for, for Carson Wentz. I think offensive line is the toughest position to acquire players because if you're a good offensive lineman, your team's not going to let you go. They're going to find a way to keep you on that active roster because there's not that many good offensive linemen in this league. Um, so like you said, they have a, a solid five, but injuries will happen. Even more injuries will happen. And then you have to get to the guys who are unproven. And then you're in a division with the Redskins or not, sorry, 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 Washington football team who has a great defensive line. And you get the Cowboys who appear to have a stronger offense, defensive line than last year. 
So that's four games right there. You're looking at pretty strong pass rushes. And Carson Wentz, who gets injured every year. Okay, yeah. calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I it's it's an unfortunate situation, um, but like I said, you're really only down a guard at this point. Everything else is the same, and you can you, you can work around this if you can bring in some depth. And even some of the rookies we had were, I think, have a lot of potential. So I'm not necessarily super concerned. Um, more concerned about Jalen Rager being out, to be honest, because I was excited to see what kind of, what kind of, uh, dynamicism, is that a word? You can just go impact. Yeah. I, I, impact. I can't, I, impact. Oh, what kind of impact he could have, um, just based on that, adding another element of speed. I mean, him and Deshaun Jackson, that would be a very interesting combo. And, uh, yeah, that's something we're going to have to wait for now, unfortunately. But, um, that's all, that's all I have on this. It's, a, it sucks. But we'll be fine. So, do you want to talk about? I think Derwin James is another one on the injury uh, report. That's that's going to be, a, I think, a pretty big loss for the Chargers. What do you guys think about Derwin James being out indefinitely? Yeah, very very good player, um, but perpetually injured. So, I mean, I think that's the that's the deal with with him. He had another. I think he broke his foot last year uh, and missed thirteen games in in a practice. He caught an interception and landed on someone's foot and his foot broke uh, and then he missed 13 games. So uh, that was right before the season started, played in a couple. And then this year he's got this knee injury. So it's been like almost two full years since he's gotten, you know, significantly significant playing time, which is concerning. Um, But, you know, hopefully he recovers well and can play next year. You know, that's, that's sort of all that is. Yeah. Charger team that need their defense to be lights out. They want to be somewhat competitive. And Derwin James, besides Joey Bosa, might be the best player on that defense. So it's not good. Uh, they do have Chris Harris now at corner. So maybe he'll help alleviate some of the <laughs> slot roles and kind of do some of the stuff Derwin, Derwin James did. But he was a linebacker playing safety. So you can't really replace that aspect of it. But, yeah, San Diego, or excuse me, L.A. Chargers are cursed. That's like a cursed yeah. franchise. That will never be normal. Saying L.A. Chargers, yeah, it will fun. never be. It will, will. My brain will always go immediately to San Diego Chargers. Yes, they should just move back. Honestly, like, yeah, come on, come on, guys, what are you doing? Oh, um, but yeah, Derwin James, huge loss. All the potential in the world. One of, the, I think, one of the most promising young safeties in our league. And it is unfortunate to see him perpetually injured. This one's going to take about six to eight months, and he needs surgery on that knee. So. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll see what he does next season, and hopefully he can play next season. I think that might be the last year on his rookie deal, potentially. Yeah. I have to double-check that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate the past few seasons he's been he's been hurt. Let's keep things on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to dive into our awards here and our predictions for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Durgan's going to hate on my pick. I'll probably hate on Durgan's <laughs> pick, and then we can both hate on Casey's pick and, <laughs> yes. and have a good time. So. Durgan, why don't you start us off with who you think might be the rookie of the year or defensive rookie of the year? Excuse yeah, me. Yes. So, so Chase Young is obvious and it's Can too you easy. Not, per, I feel it's so obvious. Attacked. It's so obvious and so easy. So I went with my guy Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, Bucks were the best team against the run last year, and not so good against the pass. But they did have good pass rushers, so we had plenty of opportunities for teams to throw against them. Assuming that Tom Brady leads that offense. Uh, it's a lot of points. 
So, in a guy who had seven interceptions last year uh, at Minnesota, he's a ball hawk. If he can put up five, six, seven interceptions this year, I think he's going to put himself right in contention for that award. And he's going to play. So, that that's one big uh, factor as well, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think the only issue with defensive backs and guys in the secondary is that those stats are hard to measure if you don't have the interceptions you're like never gonna win win the award yeah yeah. so you got to have a number of those interceptions a couple splash plays maybe a a return one of them for a for a touchdown or or play special teams and return some punts or something he he is the punt returner he is the scheduled punt returner as well so that's gonna help out hopefully so there you go Uh, I, i mean i think it's a possibility um i don't know cyrus are you ready to hate on on durgan's pick do you have some fire? Um, you go ahead, and then I'll I'll spit some super <laughs> hot fire. Your rebuttal, okay? Yeah. Uh, I've got Isaiah Simmons with the Cardinals, and their defense really struggled last year for most of the year. Uh, but towards the end of the year, they released Terrell Suggs, who was really holding them back, and they got most of their guys in their into their natural positions. So Chandler Jones is rushing the passer a lot more instead of dropping, which uh, he had to do because in that defense, Terrell Suggs could not drop into pass coverage at all. So he had to be the guy that was predominantly rushing. And once they got rid of Suggs, Chandler Jones could move into Terrell Suggs' spot. uh, And that made him more productive because Chandler Jones is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I don't know why he doesn't get more attention or acclaim. Um, but then they also struggled at, at linebacker because they were all sort of bumped out of position. And Hassan Reddick was was playing uh, outside linebacker, um, so now he can bump over, um, and they still need someone in the middle to go sideline to sideline, and that's Isaiah Simmons. So I think he's going to get a lot of tackles. Uh, I think he's going to be able to freelance a little bit, uh, and they're finally going to be sort of more solidified down the middle of that defense um, now that everyone's sort of in their you know, natural positions. I think he can be a sort of tackling machine, make a couple interceptions. Um, but same thing with defensive backs. I, I, it's, a, it's an uphill battle for linebackers. They get more of those stats with the tackles, but you got to have some some splash plays. Um, you got to pick off a screen like Joey Bosa did, even though he wasn't a linebacker. But you got to have something like that on national television um, that swings a game where you get an interception or a forced fumble or you go a little wild to, to beat out some of those edge rushers. And I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I mean, I like Isaiah Simmons a lot. He's to play either linebacker or safety, I think, at a high level. I'm just not sure Vance Joseph is a smart enough defensive mind to use him creatively. Like creatively. Uh, especially for his first year, I think he'll have some growing pains. But long term, I think he could be the best defensive player in this draft, even better than Chase Young uh, in terms of upside. So if he you know, speeds up that process earlier, then yeah, he can be rookie of the year. Disagree wholeheartedly. He will not be better than Chase Young. <laughs> and uh, let's segue into my pick, which is definitely going to be Chase Young. It has to be Chase Young. He is the best player in this draft, not even just position, not any anything included, just the best overall player in this draft. He is a better prospect than Nick Bosa, who won it last year. And fun fact, Last time a safety won Defensive Rookie of the Year was 30 years ago. None of us were born. 
So there is no chance that Antoine Winfield Jr. is coming in and winning Defensive Rookie of the Year. The stats won't be there, like Casey said. You need something flashy to win this award, and it's going to be Chase Young, 100%. He's going to have double-digit sacks in his rookie year. He's playing on a Washington football team defensive line. That was hard to say. I almost said Redskins. <laughs> that is stacked. He's not going to be able to be double-teamed every every uh, down, and he's going to feast. He's going to have an an absolutely amazing rookie campaign. And I think he's a better prospect than Nick Bosa and will have a better rookie season than Nick Bosa did. So it's got to be Chase Young, 100%. And there's zero chance of safety wins it. I could see Isaiah Simmons winning it as well just because of his versatility um, and how often he'll be on the field as a result of that. But it's it's Chase Young. I mean, it's, it's just Chase, it's Chase Young. I mean, counter-argument to that, maybe the best prospects – on maybe one of the worst teams that is not going to be playing with a lead very often the opportunities for sacks is not really going to be there and we know voters generally like to pay attention to the teams that are successful how often do you see a rookie or mvp or anything like that on a team that has you know two or three wins almost never so i think that's what he's got to fight against well didn't darius leonard win it recently on a bad colts team they're good that year oh they were bad but they weren't there's a middle in, middle of the pack. Yeah, they weren't they weren't uh, football. They weren't team two or three wins of Washington. Bad. Yeah. I mean, Sheldon Richardson won it on the Jets. There's there's plenty of examples of teams that were bad where defensive rookie of the year still won. I mean, I mean, there's bad teams, and then there's what Washington might be this year. Like if they get two wins, it's tougher to win. And also, if he gets injured like halfway through, they're not gonna rush him back. Like, they're gonna take their time. To like make sure he's okay, healed up, lose a few more games, but I mean you're you're not wrong. In the fact that he's the best player is just it's not fun to pick the obvious ones. Like it's my excitement in my life. <laughs> During as you say, man, we got to put our Big J journalist hat on right. and give the give the listeners you know the facts. Hey, fair the enough. The real facts, the I, hard I can't, cold. I can't facts. deny that. I can't deny that. So I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be shocked if it's not Chase Young. So we'll see. Let's talk about Coach of the Year and who we think might be in the running for this award. Who wants to start us off here? Casey, go ahead. Okay. I will flip over to the offensive side of the ball a little bit. And I think Bruce Arians is going to get his third Coach of the Year award, um, which would probably be a record, I I would imagine. I didn't look that up. But he won in Indianapolis uh, when Pagano had cancer and he took over. He was the interim head coach. Uh, with them and led them to a, a pretty successful end of the year one coach of the year that way and then in Arizona he won when he was with Carson Palmer so now he winds up in Tampa Bay with an offense that really has zero excuse not to be elite and top five if Tampa Bay all of a sudden goes to the playoffs the first time and I don't even remember uh, a couple decades Years. I think since like the early 2000s when they were in the Super Bowl um, and Gruden was there and beat the Raiders uh, that might have been like the last time they were flirting with the, the playoffs. But uh, if he can do that, you know, take a franchise that's historically not been very successful, just like he did with the Cardinals, I think he's sort of primed to to win coach of the year there, especially with Tom Brady's resurgent, that offensive firepower. Like, I, I think he's in a really good spot to be able to win. Uh, the record is four, by the way. Don Shula has four, um, oh. followed by Chuck Knox and Bill Belichick, who each have three. Nice. I mean, But I can see bad. that. It's not a bad pick. I mean, the only problem is that the Bucks are kind of expected to be good this year. 
So unless they get like twelve or thirteen wins, it might be tough. Like they just, like ten wins. You look at that team. Okay, yeah, that team should win ten games. But yeah. Bruce Arians is like probably might be the most underrated coach. I mean, he's been doing this a long time. It's a lot of success as an assistant and as a head coach, and doesn't get yeah. the credit he deserves because he's never won a Super Bowl. Yeah. What well, do you think, Durgan? I'm going with my guy, Frank Reich. So I already picked the Colts to make the, NFC, the AFC uh, championship. I'm going to roll with him. Doubling since, down. Since 2011, the coach of the year has gone to a coach that the previous year didn't make the playoffs or finished 500, except this past year with Harbaugh. And I would argue, not a homer, not biased, as Shanahan should have won when we look at the scenario they had. But besides that, disregard because you'd look at the teams that underachieved the year before or weren't as good and the Colts didn't make the playoffs and had a lot of issues they had Andrew Luck kind of had changed their whole offseason you know plan for the year when he retired two weeks before the season started now they got Felipe Rios aka Philip Rivers he'll open up that offense he's better than Brissett Brissett not bad he can run a little bit, but Rivers has had a lot more experience and will be able to throw more accurately in the middle of the field, which I think that will open a lot of things up. Drafted Jonathan Taylor, who's my guy. Michael Pittman Jr. from USC, a big-body receiver. They have a sound defense. Got DeForest Buckner, just acquired him. Of course, got Darius Leonard, like we mentioned. So they have some guys. Also, that division is wide open. I mean, Texans, who won last year, their best player, DeAndre Hopkins, is gone. Deshaun Watson's have to carry a lot of that uh, burden for that offense. So I think in terms of winning bowl games, they'll beat the Jaguars. Uh, the Titans, yeah, they have a chance to win as well, but they're not that much better roster-wise than the Colts. So the Colts can win and go as far as I think they will. It'll be Frank Reich, no doubt. I love Frank Reich, you know. Comes from the Doug Peterson tree, um, if you can call it that at this point. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I'm a big Frank Reich Branch. fan, and I'm honestly I miss him as our offensive coordinator. And I think he's he's was this honestly it was like because he wasn't really the first choice for the Colts. They were uh, it was McDaniel's. Were at, yeah, McDaniel's. They hired that, McDaniel's exactly, for one day. and then he uh, basically screwed them, and they were like, "Well, shit, what do we do?" And they ended up getting Frank Reich, which I think was a blessing in disguise because mm-hmm. I like Frank Reich, I think, more than I think McDaniels would be as far as a head coach. And he's done a phenomenal job, and I, I could easily see this if they have a good year. Yeah, I, I like Frank Reich a lot, a lot too. Um, just a little fantasy plug. Philip Rivers loves his running backs in mm-hmm. the passing game. So if you're in PPR, uh, I don't know who their passing back is going to be. It, it, was Mac, Naheem, it was Naheem Hines last year, but now that Taylor's there and you got Mack, um, you know, grab those guys because they're going to get a lot of receptions. And uh, Frank Reich and Philip Rivers worked together in San Diego in, I think, 2014 or 2015. Um, so they're reunited there, and they sort of know, you know, each other's systems, what their strengths are, all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm not huge on Philip Rivers in general, but I think he might be, you know, a game or two better than Brissett, which may get them into the playoffs this year. Um you don't think very highly of the division, but I think it's going to be pretty competitive. Uh, I think they're all going to be around, you know, nine or ten wins at the end of the year, the Titans, Texans, and the Colts. Um, and, 
you know, it'll be sort of a, a blood bath at the top. They might all get in, honestly, yeah. with seven seeds. Um, but I, I think it'll be pretty tight. Um, and if they can get in, I don't know that Reich will win, but if they run away with that division, Did then you? I think he definitely has a shot, yeah. I mean, definitely, I mean, that division has three, I would say, very solid to good teams, but there's yeah. no clear-cut. No elite, yeah. yeah. No elite yep. team, but yep. some really good ones. Exactly. For sure. Speaking of elite, I think, honestly, I think it might be Bill Belichick this year that wins yep. Coach of the Year. It's been 10 years, despite the dominance that the Patriots have had, um, it's been 10 years since he's won the award and this would be the ultimate test of his coaching ability because this team is not the Patriots that we're used to. They are pretty devoid of the kind of talent we're used to them having. No Tom Brady. A lot of players have opted out. Um, you got a, a lot of young players in skill positions. So if, if, if Belichick comes out and they have a great season with Cam Newton under helm and uh, Nikhil Harry, a lot of young players, I think it's a good story. I mean, you you cement Bill Belichick as one of the greatest of all times as, as a head coach, and I think he wins. Like it's it's his to lose in my opinion. If they have a bad season, then obviously there's there's no chance. But if if they come out and you know they get nine ten wins and make the playoffs, I think it's a it's a just kind of a storybook coach of the year. I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know what you would call it. <laughs> I, I <laughs> but mean, I, he, I, I agree. Go ahead. I totally agree. I mean, he's a Vegas favorite right now. Oh, uh, is he? Yeah, and and Cam Newton wasn't even. I mean, it seemed like his first pick. Like he didn't sign him until July, was it? So yeah. they went through all the offseason planning, going with Jared Stidham, and then he said, "Okay, you know what? I'm gonna put, you know, a lot of risk, but a lot of reward in this one guy." And so far, the uh, reports from camp have been very positive about Cam Newton. So if they can get going on offense, the defense will be fine. I mean, a lot of guys opted out, a lot of guys left, but Belichick will always have a good defense. And, I mean, if Reich's not going to win it, I think it's going to be Belichick. And it'd be kind of cool, actually, for once. I mean, I'm not a huge Patriots fan, as is probably most of America at this point. But if they're able to do well, then it's going to really solidify, like you said, Belichick as maybe the greatest coach of all time. Sure. It's easier to root for them this year, too, because expectations are a little lower. I mean... No Tom Brady. Is it like I said? This is a completely different Patriots team. So it's it's if you're still hating on the Patriots, then you just have anger inside you because there's nothing, <laughs> there's no expectations as far as the you know Super Bowl contending Patriots yeah. team anymore. And if Bill Belichick somehow has success, I think it's really cool actually. Um, yeah. And I'd be I'd be surprised. I don't know that it happens just based on what this roster has on paper. Um, but a lot of times I think, you know, that that's kind of what it takes, right? A, uh, a coach who can elevate his team and not necessarily just coach the talent that has been given to him. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. Bill Belichick can do it if anyone can. And uh, I think it'll be one of the more interesting storylines this season to follow this Patriots team since for our entire lifetime, really, they've been fairly dominant um, and a force to be reckoned with. One of the best teams best dynasties in the NFL, in NFL history. In sports and history, really. In sports history as a whole, yeah. And and it's not the case anymore. So we'll see. I mean, Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, who's going to start? Probably Cam Newton. Can he stay healthy? There's just lots of different things, I think, that are going to be fun to look at this season. Um, and I'm excited to to not have the Patriots just sort of a shoe in in 
to, to make the the playoffs in the Super Bowl and and see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, I think if the the award was true to its name, Belichick would win almost every year. But <laughs> yeah. the fact is, he's so successful and so good that it's sort of like that's the expectation. And if he goes even a little bit under that, um, he doesn't win. Or people feel like, oh, we've you know, Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. He's in a league of his own. Let's you know, give it to somebody else. So I think he suffers that from that a little bit. But now that's sort of reset for him, like you guys said. So he has an opportunity to, you know, prove that it wasn't Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prove that it was both of them and not just Bill Belichick leaning on the talent that they've had. So um, yeah. that, that'll be a fun storyline. That'll be a fun. We'll keep an eye on that here on the Weekly Spiral. Let's dive into our final award here and look at the pinnacle of all defensive awards, Defensive Player of the Year. Durgan, who do you think has a shot to win this prestigious award this year? Yeah, I'm going to go with the other Watt brother, TJ Watt. He's had his sack total increase every year at 14.5 last year. He's the next defensive player, specifically pass rusher, that's in line for a huge contract. I mean, we saw Bosa get it. Miles Garrett got it. So he has an extra motivation. If he puts up crazy numbers, if he increases that sack total to 18-19, he's going to absolutely break the bank. And also, he has a lot of what I call game-changing plays. And he led the league last year in forced fumbles. So he has other stats besides sacks that help out his resume. I think he's under the radar last year a lot. I mean, he, he should have got more attention for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm not sure if he should have won, but he should have got a lot more attention. Uh, him and Bud Dupree formed a quite uh, nice one-two punch off the edge. You have to also consider Aaron Donald and both Bosa brothers uh, for this award. But I think this is TJ Watt's year. Yeah, I mean, I think he suffered from the Steelers not being very exciting mm-hmm. to watch and not being incredibly... They were great on defense, but not offense. that offense was, boy, bad. It, bad. it was a yeah. f- flaming pile of garbage with <laughs> Mason R- Rudolph out there and whoever else they decided to trot out. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I, I think if they have more success this year, he's definitely... Because he was in the conversation towards the end, mm-hmm. uh, along with Stefan Gilmore, uh, and then... You know, I think ultimately that's sort of what hurt him. But um, for me, I we we've got like an ed, a run on edge rushers here. I got Shaquille Barrett with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Apparently, I'm very high on them winning awards this year. <laughs> um, but he blew up last year. He had 19 and a half sacks. Um, he's a really good pass rusher on a team that should score a lot of points. So if teams are going to be playing from behind, he's going to have more opportunities to uh, rush the passer um and and because of that you know he can convert those to sacks and get those numbers if you get to 19 and a half 20 sacks i think that 20 uh a lot of people salivate over that and are like wow that's that's really impressive so if he can get to 20 sacks uh, i think that team is sort of set up for him to to have that success and uh if he does it again like he's gonna get paid you know is he a one-year wonder or is he a guy that's gonna repeat it because if you can repeat it then now you're talking big bucks. Yeah, and I don't even think he needs to hit 20 sacks. I mean, you get to you get to double digits again, and people will take you seriously just as as a pass rusher. So um, I think he can. I think he can. He can have a, a good season and, and can be in that conversation. But I would be shocked if he repeats the same production that he had last year, up to 19 and a half sacks. I see him more around like 12 this year. Yeah, okay. and that's a good yeah. year. But yeah. it's not a it's not a defensive player of the year year. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so speaking of 20 sacks, two years removed, but Aaron Donald is my pick. <laughs> I know Durgan, boring pick, not no, this, this fun one's not and boring. controversial. This, this, this is the open race. This one's an open race. Okay, all right. I, I, th- I thought you would be hoping that I would pick somebody that <laughs> nobody would ever guess, but Aaron Donald, I mean, do I need to say more? Like, best defensive player in the league, and he's only 29, which kind of surprised me just because I feel like he's been dominant for so long, mm-hmm. but he just turned 29 in May, so he's, like, right in the prime of his career, and he is in a situation which I think could be much improved this year. I don't think that the Rams are going to be the same Rams that we saw two years ago um, when he had his monster year, but I do think that that defense is still in a, in a solid position. Granted, the offense has its own issues, um, but I think I think he could have another 15-plus sack year as very di- very um, not diverse. What's the uh, word I'm looking? Versatile defensive lineman. He can play inside. He can play outside. He does everything, and he is, in my opinion, the best defensive player in football. So, I could I could see him winning. Um, I wanted to throw Khalil Mack in here as well, just because I think he's not talked about as much as he used to be mm-hmm. in terms of his how elite he is as a pass rusher. And I think he could have a he could have a bounce back year this year for the Bears. So, anyways, um, but my pick is Aaron Donald. So. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it comes down to how good the Rams are. The Rams win 10 games, he had the chance, but they win eight games again and aren't in the playoff hunt. Uh, it'd be kind of tough. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's, like you said, he's the best player. Uh, he's, he's in great shape. If you watch Hard Knocks, he always has a shirt off and you see his six-pack. He's surprisingly uh, ripped, bro. Yeah, like, he looks like the, a WWE wrestler. The, the defensive linemen, but the defensive tackles are not supposed to be – that big in terms of strength. There's yeah. a little bit of belly on him. Yeah. He has no belly, no fat on him at all. No. No, he's a beast. And yeah. I didn't expect that just looking at him in, in uh, Jersey. But, uh, yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, Google Google it. Find some pics of him. He's he's inhuman. Yeah. And it's it's Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, what do you think, Casey? Yeah, uh, he's a very good player. And uh, best interior defensive player by far. Um and yeah, I, I mean, I think you know his chances go as the Rams' success goes, and uh, you know he suffers from the same thing that a lot of the elite players do, like Bill Belichick does with the Coach of the Year award. Like it's just expected that he's really good. So if he only gets you know ten sacks this year or something, that's like oh, that's just Aaron Donald doing Aaron Donald. He doesn't deserve Defensive Player of the Year. So I think that's sort of what he has to combat and overcome. But uh, he's going to be productive and he's going to ball out and play well. Um, he's just got to have those those flash plays and the team success to go with it, I think. Yeah, and I think the team success is the biggest hurdle. So we'll see. Uh, Rams are in a tough division, as we all know, in the NFC West. So that will be fun to watch. Let's wrap things up there on episode 54 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you so much for sticking with us throughout what has been a very fun episode. We greatly appreciate it. If you could check us out, our website is www.weeklyspiral.com. You can find all our social handles there, as well as the latest and greatest in content, which I am about to let Casey and Durgan plug. Casey, what would you like to let the listeners know about? Yeah, this one hurt me a little bit, breaking it down, but I did Allen Robinson for the Chicago Bears, the arch enemy of the Green Bay Packers. But he's really, really good. Came from the Jaguars to the Bears. He's been on the Bears uh, two years now. And he's really kind of quarterback proof, uh, really polished route runner, really exceptional player, understands the zones well, uh, how to manipulate flowing defenders. And, uh, you know, Trubisky is not great, but 
he's good enough to get him the ball because Allen Robinson gets himself so open. So if you want to see exactly how he does that and how he fits into that scheme and maybe why you should take him as a fantasy player uh, this year, uh, go check that out at youtube.com slash weekly spiral. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Durgan, what about you, man? Yes, I did it on the 2018 Big Ten Freshman of the Year, Rondale Moore, formerly of Purdue. He already opted out and declared for the draft. Uh, now the new rumor is that Big T- the Big Ten might be playing. So who knows what's going on with that. But Rondale Moore, very interesting player, very exciting to watch. Uh, has some Tavon Austin in him, which is good and bad. Uh, but hopefully he's a better career than that guy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's hope he doesn't follow the same career arc as Tavon Austin. No. But anyways, this has been a weekly spot production bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to episode 54. Uh, we hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, it is awesome. And we will catch you next week for episode 55.